Welcome to the Abundant Life Podcast. This is Pastor Derry. In today's message, I attempt to convey a revelation to the congregation of Abundant Life that God ministered to me concerning my own personal walk with Him and God's desire to be in constant communication and fellowship with all believers. In this revelation, He compared my understanding of Him with sitting in four chairs. In listening today, I sincerely hope that you can catch the revelation of the four chairs. Listen in, take notes, and I'll talk with you at the end of the broadcast. When the thief be found, he got to repay sevenfold. Amen? He was going to try to steal this word, but he ain't getting it. Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. Tell your neighbor, say four chairs. Four chairs. One more time. Say four chairs. Four chairs. What do four chairs have to do with the presence of God? What do four chairs have to do with the presence of God? We're going to talk to you about the presence of God today. Amen? Amen. We had an awesome time of worship, and um, last week we did uh, an anointing of people, and we had an awesome time uh, in the Lord. And today we're going to continue on with understanding. Pastor Tammy gave you an awesome word concerning being in the press being squeezed and pressured by things that happen and what happens and what occurs in your life and how do you deal with the press when it comes well the first thing is you need to expect it to come amen amen things don't hurt when you expect them to come amen have you ever been on a roller coaster and you get up and you're going up that tick 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 you get to the top and you get that nervous feeling because you know what's getting ready to happen and if you just sit there you won't be ready. But I realized when I got to the top, that if I tighten my stomach up right there, if I just tighten up the abs right there, then when we come down, I don't feel the same. I get through it. I just, then I can just enjoy the ride because my stomach is not hanging back at the top of the thing when I get out. But I know what to do when I get to the top. Amen? Readiness, understanding, when you know what crisis is, when you know what challenges are, when you know things are coming at you, when you expect things to not be perfect but things to be a battle or a challenge, when you expect those things to come, you do things differently. Tell your neighbor, say four chairs. Hallelujah. So let's begin with this. I want to read you a couple of foundation scriptures before we get too deep into things. And when we get these foundations, then you'll be able to handle the rest as it comes. Amen. All right, let's go to the book of Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. We're going to look at verses 4 and 5. When you get there, tell your neighbor, say, I'm fast and I'm there. <laughs> Amen. Come on, you Bible scholars, which I know are in the house. If you're Bible scholars, say, yes, I am. Yes, you are. Amen. Bible scholar didn't have to go to Bible school. He just needs to read his Bible every day. Amen? That's how you become a Bible scholar. Amen? I know people who went to school and they don't know the Bible like I know the Bible because I spend time in the Bible. Amen? Amen. There's tools to understand the Bible, but if you spend more time in your tools than you do in the Bible, you might miss it. Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. Tell your neighbor, say, I am a theologian. I know all about God. And what I don't know, he reveals. Amen. Acts chapter 1, verse 4. It says this, 
and being assembled together with them. Who's them? His disciples, right? Being assembled together with them. He commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said you have heard from me. In other words, I've already told you what I'm getting ready to tell you. Tell your neighbor, say, you don't need to hear something new to get revelation. They were about to get the biggest revelation they had to date, but it wasn't new information. Sometimes we want new information. Tell me something new. Sometimes you don't need to know something new. You just need to understand what you know. <laughs> you need to understand what you already know. Because what you already know might be way more than you think it is when you really get to understand. Amen? So he told them, you have heard from me. For John truly baptized you with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Let's go down to verse 8. It says, but you shall receive power when what? The Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be what? Witnesses to me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the end of the earth. A witness is somebody who saw it with their own eyes. You can't be a witness if you heard what somebody said. You can only be a witness if you hear it with your own ears or you see it with your own eyes or you have your own personal experience. And Jesus says, when you receive the Holy Spirit, you're going to become my witness because when the Spirit comes, he's going to take you through stuff that you're going to see with your own eyes. You have your own experience with God. You might have heard people talk about God, but when the Spirit comes upon you, you're going to have your own personal experience. Encounter. You're going to have your own personal situations that you deal with and you go through that is going to make you a witness. You're going to witness healing. You're going to witness power. You're going to witness certain things happen. But unfortunately, if you're going to witness healing, it might mean you have to get sick. You might have something come on you. If you're going to be a witness of God's power to take you through hard times, it might mean you got to go through some hard times. If you're going to be a witness that God is able to cheer you up out of dark places, then you might have to get down in the dark place in order to come out and be cheered and be a witness. I've been in the dark place, and I know he can bring you out. You're going to be witnesses to me. And you're going to do it in Jerusalem, where you get it. <laughs> Wait for it. You're going to get it. You're going to be a witness where you get it. In Judea, the place around the place you got it. In Samaria, the place where people don't want to go who get it where you got it. In all the world. You're going to be witnesses to me. Witnesses to me. Go to Acts chapter 2, verse 37. Tell your neighbor, say, he was talking to the disciples, but he might have been talking about you. Yes, Jesus was talking to his disciples, but he might been, have been talking about you when he was talking. Look at this. Acts chapter 2, verse 37. Now, when they had heard this, they were cut to the heart 
and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? You know what this means? It means that they heard preaching. They saw the Holy Spirit fall on the disciples, and they heard the preaching of Peter telling them all about Jesus and what Jesus was, and they said, what are we supposed to do with this? They were cut to the heart. In other words, this message got them. It got them right in the heart, and they had to say, what are we supposed to do? Now that I feel a conviction, what am I supposed to do with this conviction that I feel? Look at verse 38. Peter said to them, repent. Tell your neighbor, say, repent. <laughs> you sinner. Go on, tell him, tell him. Repent, you sinner. <laughs> I'm just playing with y'all. I'm just playing. <laughs> but that's how people usually think of the word repent. When we hear repent, it's usually follow you dirty sinner. But these were people who follow God. They actually had come to Jerusalem for the Feast of Weeks. They had celebrated the Passover. They loved God. They were Jewish people. They had covenant with God. And they were told they had to repent. See, repentance is a word that if you're going to experience the presence of God, you must understand repentance. We'll get into that in a little bit in a second. But I want you to call it to you. These are your foundations you have to receive in order to get the rest of this. Repent, let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Verse 39. For the promise is to you. And to your children, and to all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call. This is really important because when we talk about the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is God. He is the presence of God. Jesus said this. He said, I have to go away from you because if I don't go, you won't get the promise. And when the Holy Spirit comes, he's going to convict the world of sin. He's going to convict him of righteousness. He's going to convict him of me. He told them that because he needed them to understand that when the Holy Spirit comes, what the Holy Spirit is coming to do, he's coming to bring about a repentance in the hearts of people. The Holy Spirit comes to give us repentance, but if you don't understand repentance, you will shy away from repentance. All repentance is is a change of heart and mind that leads to a change of behavior. See, until we repent, we can't change. You can't change until you repent. But if you think repent is a dirty word, you stay away from repentance. But all repentance really means is repentance means you need to come to an understanding that causes you to then see things differently and make you do something differently. I repent of being broke. I got a change of attitude being broke. What does that mean? It means that I know I have an income, but why am I broke? I need to change something. I need to have a repentant moment where I get a new revelation of understanding why I have money, but I can't use it. And then change so that when I get money, I'm commanding the money. The money ain't commanding me. 
Repent. Change your mind. What do you choose? What are you supposed to do when you repent? It means whenever you get new information that causes you to think like God thinks, you need to be willing to change. Hebrews chapter 6, it tells us this. It tells us that we should not give attention to the elementary principles of Christ, but let us press on to perfection, not setting in the foundation of repentance from dead works. The very first thing we need to do is figure out that you've got to repent from dead works. Before you move anywhere else in Christ, repentance from dead works is the first thing. What is a dead work? A dead work is anything you try to do in your flesh and blood body to justify yourself before God. In other words, if you try to buy your way into heaven, that's a dead work. It ain't going to work. If you try to good, your, good work your way into heaven, it's not going to work because you ain't got a good enough good works to deal with your sin debt. If you try to be nice, you can't nice your way into heaven because your niceness is going to find out it's got a deadly venomous something in there and you're going to be nice to me today. And if I hit that button, that stinger is coming out. Tell your neighbor, I don't want to see your stinger today. Come on. Dead works. All the works that we attempt to do to justify ourselves before God to be in heaven, we can't do that because it doesn't work. Because all of your works have the same end. They're connected to you. <laughs> and you were born a sinner. Saying it before chairs. We're going to talk about these chairs in a second. But repentance is that thing. Repent, let everyone, everyone be baptized in the name of Jesus for the remission of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promises to you, your children, all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call. The Holy Spirit represents the presence of God. And you heard me say this before, but these four chairs represent four perspectives of human experience with God. And we talked about them before, but I want to get you to understand them, not with your mind. I need you to understand them in your spirit. Number one is the omnipresence of God. This chair represents the omnipresence of God. When I sit in this chair, I'm experiencing God through his omnipresence. God is here, whether I believe he's here or not. God's in every fabric of everything. God is the creator and maker of all things. And if I sit in this chair, my thought process, my belief is, is that God exists possibly and God does not exist possibly. But the fact of the matter is because I'm breathing God's air and I have some life in me, that means I'm experiencing God. Amen? Even if I don't believe I'm experiencing God in his omnipresence, he's everywhere. He's right here. Psalms 51, it, it, the passage that says is that the presence of God, if I go into heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in hell, you're there. Why? Because God is omnipresent. He's everywhere. So I can move from this chair to the next chair based on the experience that I have. So the second chair I can move to is the chair which represents manifestation of God. Manifestation of God. God can sovereignly manifest himself, and I experience God's presence through his manifestation. 
And we see several situations in the Bible where Moses encounters the burning bush. It is not talking to Moses. It's just minding its own business, burning out there in the wilderness. And then we see that Moses then, after he has a covenant with God, God says, listen, Moses, I'm just going to be a pillar of fire before you guys. And they could see it, but they couldn't touch it. They couldn't get close to it. They would just have an experience where they would see the manifestation of God. The third chair then is more personal. It's very similar to the manifestation of God, except now it gets personal because now it's a visitation from God where God comes and God talks to somebody. And God speaks to you. And all of a sudden you have an experience where, oh, my goodness, did, was that God talking to me? Oh, my goodness, what, what, what was that? And you have something personal experiencing. I was not a Christian, but I had to take a prayer class. And they made me do something. They made me meditate. And I didn't want to meditate. And I was trying to get out of the class because I didn't want to have nothing to do with this. And so they put us in a room, and they had us chanting a little bit. And all of a sudden, I felt something touch me, and I opened my eyes, and nobody was close to me. And I went back, and I was like, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do this. And the teacher said, you need to participate or you're getting an F. So I said, okay. All of a sudden, I felt something touch me. I looked around. Nothing there. So I'm not going to do this again. Teacher looks at me again and says, listen, if you don't participate, you are getting an F. All right. So I went back. Something touched me the third time, and I screamed out, what the blank touched me? I got kicked out of class. <laughs> got an F. What am I saying? I'm saying that I had something spiritually touching me that I didn't understand what it was because I was not spiritually sensitive. I was fleshly. But because I was tapping into something and because God has already been trying to talk to me, he's touching me to get me to respond. But I don't want to respond because I like other things better. I don't want to repent. Amen? Fourth chair is what we see in Acts chapter 2. That the, whole, the disciples receive the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, the presence of God, comes to dwell in them. It is the indwelling presence of God. The indwelling presence is different because the indwelling presence cannot be obtained except with our permission. See, God can show up and talk to us even if we don't want to talk back to God. God can manifest himself even if we don't want to talk to God. God can be everywhere all the time without our permission. All these three chairs require us just to be here. But this fourth chair requires a yieldedness from us. This fourth chair doesn't happen unless you are ready to and prepared to be yielded to God. If we think about it in terms of, of spiritual things, this chair represents the most common thing. It's common. And if you think of this as a continuum all the way over, this chair is holy. Holy means to be set apart. Now, Being in this first chair does not require anything whatsoever from us. Let's go to John chapter 14, verse 23. 
which I'm going to begin at verse 22. Verse 22, it says, Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? How is it that you're going to manifest yourself to us but not to the world? How is it that can Jesus can talk to you and not talk to the person sitting next to you? How is it that God can communicate with you and show you something and talk to you about things and deal with you about things and re reveal things to you that people in these other three chairs can't see? <laughs> see, even when I was a Christian, sometimes I sit in this chair. I was an unbeliever sitting way over here. Nobody, nobody can deny that. You don't even have to believe in God to sit here. Here, you can be on, your, you can be on, the, on, on the borderline. You can be saying yes to God and still not really understand what's going on. And you have experience with God, but you don't really know how to touch God or feel God. And you can be in this third chair and know God and not understand that God wants you to be holy so you live your life not holy, wondering how come I can't experience what happens in this chair. But this chair is the holy chair. That chair is the common chair. And this in between is called the renewing of our minds. <laughs> so you can give your life to God right here. You can say, yes, God, I give my life to you. I give it to the Lord Jesus Christ. I accept it. I receive it. And you can receive that and never move further than that. And always wait on a manifestation. These become what we call the glory chasers. They're looking for glory all over. They're trying to find glory all over. We, we is he over there? Is he over here? And Jesus said, when it comes down to it, when they say I'm over there, don't go. <laughs> when they tell you I'm over there, don't go over there. Because guess what? When I show up, you won't miss me. <laughs> and, and Judas says, Lord, how is it you're going to show yourself to us and not to the whole world? Verse 23, Jesus answered and said to him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him and we will come and make our, tell your name, say, I'm the crib of Jesus. <laughs> Come on, I'm the crib of Jesus. Say, I'm the crib of Jesus. Y'all remember back in the day MTV Cribs? Y'all remember that? Now say it again. I'm the crib of Jesus. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Do you know what that means? If Jesus comes and makes his home with you, what does it mean? Jesus said, go into Jerusalem and wait for the promise of the Father. So you've heard from me, John baptized you with water, but you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Not many days from now, you're going to be baptized with the Spirit. When the Spirit comes upon you, you shall receive power. Tell your neighbor, say, this crib has got power. Don't wait for me to scream because I'm not. <laughs> You have to get this on on your own. You have to catch the revelation of what I'm telling you. 
when I'm telling you that there's sometimes that there are things that try to get us. The enemy wants you in one of these other three chairs rather than be there. Enemy would love for you to be anywhere except in that chair. Enemy wants you to be, if he can get you, if he can get you to say, yes, I'm just waiting for God to visit me. Oh, I'm waiting. Oh, we're praying for a visitation. Brother, we're praying for a visitation from God today. Oh, yes. Yes. And then, and, and then if you really are over here, then you're just saying, there's a visitation of God over there? Really? God's visit. He's got, oh, man. Um, you can see the chair, but you don't know how to get there. Because unless you're taught the word and taught the truth about the word, you'll believe that these are the chairs God wants you in. See, when I grew up, I never heard, I never heard there was a Holy Spirit. As a matter of fact, it was the Holy Ghost, and if you get it, you got to get out to this church. Somebody get happy. And here they come. They're going to come. They're going to pick you up, take you out of the church, and you disappear forever. That's what I thought when I was a kid. I never, I never, Mama, I never saw that lady again. <laughs> she got took away. She got happy, baby. She got happy. Yeah, she got the Holy Ghost. <gasps> so that means it's better for me to stay here. In this chair, because I'm not trying to disappear. It's better for me to stay here in the manifestation chair and wait for a manifestation to happen. And then when it comes, they'll take somebody else away and I won't have to be taken away. And maybe that's not your experience, but maybe your experience is that you, you experience superstar Christianity where a handful of people have an anointing from God and nobody else does. And so we sit in this chair and we watch them and we wait for them to do this or wait for them to do that or we ask that God, God bless them so we can be blessed. When God says, you know what? Anyone who obeys my word, I want them in this chair. Anybody who obeys my word, anyone who loves me, anyone if you'll keep my word, anyone, then we will come and sit with you. We'll come make our abode with you, which means you get to be in this chair. You get to be in the chair. Let me say it like this. Two of the disciples, James and John, the brothers, the sons of Zebedee, they were always arguing about who was the greatest. And they got so bad that their mother got involved. And their mother came and, and came up to Jesus one day and said, Jesus, will you please make me a promise? How many of you had somebody's mama come try to get you to make, baby, baby, do this for me. Would you do this for me? But the mother of James and John, she comes and she said, Jesus, promise me that when you go to your kingdom, you'll let my sons sit on your right hand and on your left. She wanted them to have special place. They've sacrificed everything. They've given up the family business, Jesus. Please, when you go into your kingdom, let them sit on your right and your left. And he said, it's not for me to give that, but it is for who it's for. 
And see, what she didn't understand was Jesus is trying to make a situation in which everyone who believes sits at his right hand. Open your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 2. I'm going to prove this to you. Ephesians chapter 2. And we're going to go to verse 8. Actually, let's go to verse 4. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4 says this. It says, But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love, which he has loved the special people. Let's try it again. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love, with which he loves special people. <laughs> but God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love in which he loves special people. He loves us. See, it, it, there's nowhere in Scripture where you find that God sets apart. Let me put it this way. There's nowhere in the New Testament where God sets apart people and says... They're different. He sets apart people for a different work. He said each one is gifted according to their own gifts. But he never sets anybody and places them above. As a matter of fact, he said Jesus is the one that said above, and we are the brethren that come after. Equal in every way, gifted differently, but equally blessed. Tell your neighbor, say, you belong in the fourth chair. Even when we were dead in trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. Even when you were dead in trespasses and sin, he made you alive and put you together with Christ. If you have a complex because you committed a sin, if you thought you committed the one unforgivable, unpardonable sin, even if that's who you are. He said, nope, even when you were dead in your trespasses and sin, he's already set you with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. Verse 6, and raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you've been saved through faith, not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not of works, lest anybody be able to brag. Listen, you're special because of Jesus. Come on, the life difference between the people who sit here and the people sit here is significant. The life difference between people who sit and understand that the Holy Spirit is in them and on them and is God is make residence. The life of this person is different than these two people because unfortunately these two people are trained to think that they are waiting for something to happen rather than believing God's trying to make things happen through you. Come on, somebody say amen for me, please. Amen. Hallelujah. Listen, Acts chapter 1. Let's go back to Acts chapter 1. The difference between the person experiencing the omnipresence of God in the first chair and the person experiencing the Spirit of God fully in the fourth chair is 
choice and faith. The only thing distinguishing the people who sit in these chairs and the only way you move from that side to this side is choice and faith. If you make a choice here to say, I only know that God exists, but I want to pursue and know him, then you move to the next step. Matter of fact, keep your finger there. Go to Jeremiah chapter 29. Jeremiah 29 verse uh, 13. Let's go there. If you get to this chair and you make the choice to go deeper in God, you go to another level. And you stop waiting for God to show up and you realize God's going to come and talk to me. It's going to be personal. God, when God shows up, he's coming to say something to me. Man, if I, I, I feel something in the room and I'm expecting to hear God say something to me. You walked into a church and you felt an anointing. You say, okay, Lord, what are you saying to me? Instead of saying, wow, there's an anointing in that church. That's what this person says. They say, wow, God is here. God is here and he's talking to me. God is here because I brought him here. <laughs> That's very different perspectives. Wow, there's an anointing here. Wow, there's an anointing and God's talking to me. Yeah, I know God's here. I brought him with me. Jeremiah 29, 13, and you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. <laughs> you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all of your heart. You will seek me and you will find me when you look for me with all your heart. I'm notorious for putting stuff down and forgetting where I put it like putting a set of keys down somewhere and walking away and mine get caught up on something else and say, where are my keys at? Where are my keys? Oh, man, where are my keys? I'm not, okay, let me retract my steps. I know I was standing over here, and I know I was over here. Man, I can't find them keys. And I'm looking for the keys, and I can't find the keys. And I say, Tammy, I'm not accusing anybody of anything. <laughs> but my keys, I can't find them. And her, her famous quote, no, no, I wish it was pray about it. Her famous quote is, look for them like you're using my eyes. <laughs> what I'm getting at is that there are things that are laying in front of us that we can't see. There, there are things sometimes laid before us that we can't find because we're looking at it with the wrong lenses. We're not looking at it through the right lenses. And these chairs represent lenses that you see things through. And if your lens says that God may be around, but I don't expect God to talk to me, that even if God is talking, you won't believe as God. If your lenses here are saying to you that, you know what, God may show up sometime. But I don't have anything to do with that. Then you'll go around looking for other people's experiences. And unfortunately, that's how we get deceived. Sometimes we get deceived when 
people create experiences and we enter them, we go, wow, look at that experience. And we keep going back to that experience. And even though we start seeing something's not right about this, we're so caught up on the experience, we keep on going back. Well, he does have five wives, but the Spirit of God is there. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm being honest. Let's, let's deal with truth. Let's deal with reality. Sometimes we know something's not. We see things are totally wrong, but the Spirit was there. So, here, we're in the same environment as the person here, but we're hearing God say, this ain't right. But it's up to us to make a choice. It's up to us to make choices. So you can, you can go from here to here with the choice. And the enemy's always going to try to keep us in these two chairs. Today is not about, today is about revelation. I need everybody to get revelation understanding. This is about growing to full maturity. God wants to bring us to maturity. To bring us in maturity. Listen, this, and this chair is not about being spooky. This chair is not about spooky. This is about the presence of God. And sometimes we don't want to move from this chair to this chair because something, I might get weird. I might be, I mean, you're, doing good. you're going to be different. <laughs> but you don't have to be weird. But I believe weird might be a choice too. So you don't have to be weird. You can just be different. Set apart. To be holy means to be set apart. You will seek me and find me when you search for me with your whole heart. You know what God is saying? He said, you know what? No matter where you are, if you search for me, I'm not going to hide from you. See, when, even when I was an atheist, I was a philosopher. So I was always looking for truth. And so even when I, 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 you know, I talk about kind of crazy stuff and we get all out in the wherever we was talking crazy with whoever I could talk crazy with. And some, there's some substances you can take that make you talk crazier than other times. And you start talking crazy. You just you start coming up with crazy ideas and you, you start getting off into crazy stuff. Okay, great. But you know what? I was always still, even in that, looking for the truth. Because the reason I rejected God is because I was missing the truth. But truth, if you search for God with your heart. Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. If you look for the truth, you end up finding me. So I wasn't looking for God, but I found God. Because he wasn't hiding. So your neighbor saying, God's not hiding. Now let's go to Acts chapter 1. You shall receive power when the Spirit, Holy Spirit comes upon you and shall be my witnesses. There are five kinds of power that come from being a witness, being filled with the Spirit of God. Five kinds of power, and I want you to understand and embrace these. And then I'm going to ask you a couple of questions. The first kind of power, turn your Bibles to Philippians chapter 3. Philippians 3 and 10.
Philippians 3 and 10 says this. It says that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering, being conformed to his death. If by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. The first power that God's spirit brings to us is the power of resurrection. If you experience the power of resurrection, that's how you got born again. You can't be born again except you experience the power of resurrection, which means you had to first acknowledge that you were dead in your trespasses and sin, i.e., I was born a sinner. First you acknowledge that and you can receive that, accept that, and then what happens is you experience the resurrection power because all of a sudden when you say yes to God, you are given new life in Christ Jesus. The first power of resurrection is your salvation. Amen? I experienced the resurrection power of Jesus. I was dead in trespasses, and I'm alive in Christ. Isn't that awesome? <laughs> resurrection power. <laughs> The first power is resurrection power. The second power is the power of love. Romans 5 and 5. Acts, Romans. Romans 5 and 5. It says, now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. If you're having a love struggle, then what I want you to do is check your chair. If we're struggling with love, check your chair. Because I got mad at somebody one time, and I said, I I'm, I'm a forgiven, but I ain't forgetting. I forgive you, but I ain't going to forget what you did. As a matter of fact, when I see you, I'm putting, I'm putting the wall of Jericho between me and you. I'm putting the wall that don't nobody get over. If this wall come down, it's because God made it come down. But you know what I was doing? I was sitting in this chair because this is what I said. I'll love you different if God comes and tells me to. The only way I'm forgiving you if God show up and tell me to forgive you. What did I do? I sat in this chair. I got out of the chair where God gives me the power to forgive. Where Jesus blew on his disciples and said, receive ye the Holy Spirit. Whoever you forgive, I'll forgive. I, I, I said, no, well, I don't want to forgive, so I'm, <laughs> I'm moving in this chair over here. And I'm changing my seat. I willfully got in the other chair because my emotions got in the way. And my emotions started telling me, you don't have to forgive them. You know, matter of fact, matter of fact, let's, let's offer this story. What happened to you? Well, you know what? I was, I was six months old in the crib, and my mama said, it'll take you all the way back. It'll make you author a story. It'll take you back and justify why you can be mad. 
you got a reason, you got a justification for why you can be angry. But wait a minute. Tom, you receive the Spirit? Yeah. yeah. But this chair is more comfortable. That chair was kind of hot. I was sitting in that chair, it got hot on me. I, I figured I'd move over here where it's more comfortable. But then I gave up the power of the chair. God's calling me to get back in the chair. The chair's talking to me. I got room for you. I want to bless you. Oh, man, this chair is so much easier than this chair right here. Mm. Revelation. Hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Man, if I could stay in this chair, then that love of God is going to pour out on me. Mm. The love of God will get poured on me. So now I got resurrection power. Now I got the power of love flowing through me and operating through me. All because of the chair I choose. Power number three. Power number three is the power of gifts, spiritual gifts. Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. Romans 12 and 6 says this. It says, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is in us, let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Or ministry, let it use it in our ministry, in teaching, who, who, he who teaches, he who exhorts in exhortation, he who gives, gives with liberality, he who leads, lead with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness, let love be without hypocrisy, hate what's evil and cling to what's good. In other words, God says, I got all kinds of gifts. I got gifts to help you lead. I have gifts to help you encourage. I have gifts to help you speak life. I have gifts to do all things that are required to do. I have gifts for them all, but they come from the Spirit. And you're going to have to stay in the Spirit's chair to use them. Amen? I'm going to read you Romans a little bit earlier. Romans chapter 1 excuse me, 12, verse 2, it says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. There's a good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. It's a good will for God to know that you know that God is there and you can acknowledge God. It's an acceptable thing for you to say, God, I hear you, and I'll listen to you. But his perfect will is that you hear him and you move with him and that you flow with him and you go with him and your mind is renewed and whatever the enemy says you don't accept it because your mind's been renewed by the word that you're transformed by the renewing of your mind it's the perfect will of God for you verse 3 says for though the grace for through the grace that was given to me to everyone who's among you not to think of yourself more highly than you ought 
but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. In other words, don't start thinking that you're so great because you got some gifts. Recognize, get your mind renewed. God gave everybody a measure of faith. Tell your neighbor, say, my measure is the same as your measure. Mm -hmm. Verse 4, so as many members in one body, all members do not have the same function. So we being many are one body in Christ, in individually members of another, then having differing gifts. We're all connected. We're all blessed. We all have opportunity for gifts, but gifts flow as the Spirit wills by the renewing of our minds. The fourth power is the power of wellness. And wellness has two faces. One is healing, and the other is fruitfulness. Wellness is healing and fruitfulness. 1 Peter 2 and 24 1 Peter 2 and 24. 1 Peter is after what? Looking for my Bible scholars. Y'all tell me those Bible scholars. <laughs> yes, it's after James, which is after Hebrews, right? All right. 1 Peter, <laughs> 1 Peter 2 and 24. It says, who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. We're healed by the stripes of Jesus. That's part of the power of this new life in Christ. And then I want to take you to Galatians chapter 5, because it's also about not just healing. Healing is only there for you to be fruitful. Amen? No need in being healed unless you plan to be fruitful. Amen? Come on. Who, didn't Jesus curse a fig tree that wasn't fruitful? It was green and healthy. Leaves all over the place. What? But it wasn't fruitful. Amen? So healing's only good for what? Fruitfulness. Galatians 5 and 22. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is. In other words, fruit only comes from the Holy Spirit. And what is the fruit? Love. What's after love? Joy. <laughs> really? Joy? The Holy Spirit brings joy? <laughs> Peace? Long-suffering? Kindness? Goodness? Faithfulness? Gentleness? Uh-oh. Self-control. Self-control comes from the Holy Spirit? How many heard somebody say, I got the Holy Ghost, I can't help myself. <laughs> the Holy Spirit brings self-control, bro. I'm sorry. Against such, there's no law. Now, I'm being, a, I'm being a little funny, but, but in all reality, in that chair is the fruit of the Spirit. In this chair is the fruit of the Spirit. 
We got, we got resurrection power in this chair. We got love in this chair. We got gifts of the Spirit in this chair. And we got the fruit of the Spirit in this chair. There's a person I knew that was a worship leader. And this particular person um, carried an anointing to lead worship. But they hit a snag in life where they got a little depressed. And so in this state of depression, this worship leader forgot about the Holy Spirit. Because this person just wanted to keep on expressing their feelings. So they moved from the chair over there, past this chair, all the way here. Waiting on a feeling. Well, wait a minute, don't we trust God? Yeah, but I'm not feeling it right now. So they exchanged the gift and the fruit for a feeling. And the feeling moved them out of the chair. And the hard thing is, is when you're in this chair, the problem is you're waiting for something outside of you to happen. The problem with this chair is that you're always at the, at the whim of what the environment says. You're, you're here being a thermos, a thermometer telling everybody how the atmosphere is instead of being a thermostat where you were over there changing the atmosphere. Listen. Let's get this last one. Let me get you guys out of here so you can think about what I'm telling you. <laughs> Philippians chapter 4. Philippians 4 and 19. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians. Verse 18 says, Indeed, I have all and abound. I'm full, having received from Epaphras, Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you, a sweet-smelling aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. And my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory through Christ Jesus. Now, our, now to our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Last one is the power of provision. God provides for us according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. If you're moved by your feelings, you'll forget that in this chair is sufficiency. That I've been made complete in Christ. And while I may not know where it's coming from next, I just know it's coming. I, don't, I don't, may not know how it's going to work out, but I know it's going to work. Because I sit in this chair by faith. Faith is a substance of things I'm hoping for and the evidence of what I cannot see. I can't see it, but I know it's happening. Why? Because why I sit in this chair. I sit in this chair because I don't have to see it. I sit in this chair because I believe God. I sit in this chair because God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all I can ask or think about according to the power that works outside of me. Nope, inside of me. 
I sit in this chair out of choice because I believe, and that's why I sit in this chair. I believe God's going to provide. I believe God's going to resurrect me. I believe God's raising me up. If I look like I'm destroyed, you just expect that I'm getting up. Why? Because I got resurrection power staying in this chair. If it looks like I'm done, don't worry about it. I'm coming back. Oh, you will see me again. Come on. Come on. I got the power of love. You can offend me, talk about me, do whatever you want to do to me, but guess what? You can't stop the love of God that's been poured out in my heart by the Holy Ghost. You can't stop the love in me. You can't stop it from working. They won't let me use my gifts. You don't have to let me use my gifts. My gifts will make room for me because I got gifts in me that the Holy Ghost is using. And matter of fact, if you try to stop me, the Holy Spirit might tell me what your mail says. And I might have to tell you so you know God told me. I'm in this chair because I choose to be in this chair. I got all kinds of opportunities to take any other chair, but I'm staying in this chair. I ain't getting out of this chair. If, if the devil come try to turn the chair over, I'm holding on to the chair because I'm not going nowhere. I'm staying in the chair. I got too much invested in what God has put in me to get out of this chair. Jesus has died on the cross so I could get in this chair. He rose from the dead so I could get in this chair. He sent the spirit from heaven to be in me so I could stay in this chair. So why I want to be in them chairs? Why would I want to go to those chairs? This chair is wrestling with whether to say yes to God. That chair is trying to figure out if God is even here. That chair is so unaware, they go into hell and they don't realize there is a hell. What were those chairs for? All right, let me ask you some questions. Number one, are you only believing God for his omnipresence? Don't answer too quick. Think about it. Are you only waiting and believing God for his omnipresence? Because when I search my heart to get ready for this, I realize there's some areas in my life where I'm only expecting God to just be around. The person in that position doesn't always understand that God's desire is to fellowship with his people. God wants to interact with his people. See, here you just think God's a cosmic force and just, God is just out there. You may not believe that God has a personality and God actually wants to talk to you. Second question. Are you just waiting for God to show up? Do you have areas of your life where you're just waiting for God to show up? I, again, I searched my heart and I found areas in my life I love God, but I found areas where I'm waiting for God to show up. I'm not putting any feet to my faith whatsoever. I'm waiting on God to show up and do something for me that he already handed me a key to do. And I had to catch myself 
and I got to repent. Have a change of heart. Have a change of mind and get out of this chair and go get in the chair where I'm supposed to be. Third question. Has God spoke to you? But you worried about what happens if you do what he said. Because that means God visited you. You had a visitation. But you're not sure about getting in this other chair just yet. Because sometimes this chair on the surface, it looks like it costs you more than staying in that chair. But the reason it looks like it costs more is because the enemy builds walls to make you afraid and you sometimes got to by faith follow the last instruction you heard God say and get up and get in the other chair last question do I invite and practice the presence of the Lord every day. See to, see, to sit in this chair means that you say every day, Lord, what are we doing today? All right, Lord, what's going on today? Lord, you're driving this thing, so I'm following you. I believe your presence. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop. You never stop working. You never stop. You never stop working. That song means I sit in this chair even when I don't see it. He's working. Even when I don't feel it, <laughs> he's working. He never stops. He never stops working. And I'm confident of the fact that God never stops working for me. Whew. Listen, here's how you activate. Let's activate this right now. Number one, choose this day who you serve. Choose today. Just say today, you know what, Holy Spirit, I choose your chair. I choose to let you rule in me. Tony, can you take us back to that passage on John chapter 14? Thank you. John chapter 14. Jesus answered and said to them, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him and we will come and make our home with him. Amen. Man, the Spirit's going to make his home in us. God's desire is to bring you into full fellowship with him so he can usher you into living abundantly in all ways. In all ways that you live in abundance. All ways that you live in the Spirit. All ways that you move and operate in the power of God. That's what he desires for us. He desires to have us fully in his presence. 
Today's message was titled Four Chairs from our series titled The Presence of God. For more information about Abundant Life Worship Center, please feel free to check out our website at AbundantLifeWorship.net. On our site, you'll find more information about us, our church and our events calendar, and other messages by myself and others that may be of interest to you. Once again, the site is AbundantLifeWorship.net. You can also find us on our Facebook page at Facebook.com slash AbundantLifeWorship.net. God bless, and we look forward to seeing you on our next podcast. Until then, I invite you to stay in the fourth chair and remember that Jesus came to give you life and that more abundantly.